Nicole. And you're listening to Buzz Killers. Killers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is mini number two that we're bringing you. This week. <laughs> this week, yeah. <laughs> um, this is actually mini, like, six. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Because we did the Joel Guy Jr., and then we did um, you're right. Lawrence. What's his first name? Ryan Lawrence. Ryan Lawrence. And Stacey Castor. Yeah. And then we just did yours. And now we're doing this. So, Or it's five. Five. I think there's another one. Is there another one? Oh, oh, with Aaron. The Letchworth. Yes, Letchworth. So it is six. Six. Uh, so Guys, we, we know about our own podcast. <laughs> we do, but I just didn't ca- I didn't pay attention to what one we were on. I would have looked it up before I put it up. <laughs> so there's that. And uh, Nicole, what are we drinking? Oh, my God. For this lovely Mixer Mini. So uh, we're drinking this magnificent red sangria. It's amazing. Macy has concocted. And if you would like the full recipe, please go back to the mini about Marcus Wesson because the whole <laughs> whole recipe's in that. Yeah, I, g- I gave um, all the measurements and everything. But it is red wine. It's triple sec. It's a little bit orange juice. There's some a bunch of fruit. and fruits. And it is absolutely delicious. <laughs> and yeah, it does not taste like alcohol. So no, it's we dangerous. are in danger. We are <laughs> danger Will Robinson. Um... <laughs> So, uh, let's just... Just say, I don't think we have any business. No, we talked about it a little bit in the last one. Yes, we did. (laughs) Um, We are going to talk about the New Orleans trunk murders. What? Yeah, I actually found this on Instagram, so thank you to whoever posted that. (laughs) Um, I thought it was really interesting, and so I started researching it. There's not a whole lot, and I'm going to talk about something very early in the beginning. Um, I'll just say it now. Yeah, bring it on. Um, most of the information about the two women that were murdered in this case mm-hmm. comes from firsthand accounts from their husbands. So let's just put that out there into the into the mind. A lot of the information is coming from their husbands who were spiteful and not so nice. Oh. So there's not a lot of information on what these women were like. And so I'm telling it in the perspective of basically what these men said. Oh my gosh. Were, okay. Which is so annoying. <laughs> but I mean this is um this happens in New Orleans, Louisiana in 1927. So there's not a whole lot about their lives. Yeah, I was going to say that's a while ago. Yeah, not a whole <laughs> lot about their lives before this time. Like they talk about where mm-hmm. they like moved from, but that was really all I could find and like wow. his and one of the husband's jobs before they moved. So Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so just keep that in mind. It's in my mind. We don't know if all <laughs> of this information about these women is correct. So, um, Bring it on. like I said, this happens in 1927. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who are involved in this case are Teresa, who is 25, and Lonnie. Their last name is Moity, M-O-I-T-Y. And Lonnie's real name is, I don't know how to say this, Leonide. I don't know if that's right, but it's L-E-O-N-I-D-E. Leonide, Le- I mean I think Leonide, Leonide. Okay, but That's they called I'd her. Say. <laughs> they called her Lonnie. So, um, Teresa and Lonnie. Teresa's twenty five, and Lonnie's twenty eight. They shared an apartment. Um, and I think it's like a second floor apartment. Okay. At um seven fifteen, Ursulines Avenue in the French Quarter. Um, and they shared this very small apartment with their husbands and their children. Dear Lord. So, and, and I know I didn't find a lot of information i think like lonnie and her husband they have two kids but Teresa and her husband have like three so there's a lot of people in this house 
all it's like nine at people at least it's not a school bus or a tugboat uh, so. exactly <laughs> i laughed so hard when he said tugboat um <laughs> the um these women were sister-in-laws like i said and they were married to brothers henry and joseph moiety uh henry was 29 and joseph okay. was 33 um both of these men worked kind of odd jobs to help support their family um but they never really earned a ton of money yeah and another article said um that the women often took like sewing jobs and other things of the like to help supplement the income um along with doing all the household chores and watching their children wow okay um and according to some witnesses to um there were some witnesses too but i just think it's so skewed if you're just getting information from like the husband's Pretty much. Yeah. Um, there were rumors of infidelity between the couples, mostly the women. Of course. Being, you know, whatever towards the men. They didn't have anything to do with it. Um, I've, and apparently the ladies had kind of made it clear that they were unhappy with their marital situations. Mm-hmm. And um, they were looking for better things. <sighs> um, I don't. It hurts me knowing all of this came from. Husband. And apparently the husband said they were terrible mothers. So and they sound like terrible fathers. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, let me scroll back up. I'm using a different <laughs> thing to look at my notes now. So I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little discombobulated. Nah, you're good. Um so at some point, they don't really tell when this is, um, but like earlier in nineteen twenty seven, mm-hmm. Lonnie and Joseph separate. And um and like there's no dates. There's only dates for like when this hap when this happened on. Oh wow. Like everything okay. before that, I'm like, uh, <laughs> um, there's like were three articles. During on this. this time and maybe here. <laughs> <laughs> but before before the crime occurs, um Lonnie and Joseph become separated and he moves out. And once one article said that he went to move in with his parents, and one article said that he went to move in with his sister. So he went to move with family. Um, he took their two children with them. Um, but Lonnie rela- remained in the home with Teresa, her husband, Henry, and their three children. And okay. Henry did not like this. He believed that Lonnie was a bad influence on Teresa and did not want her living in the home. Oh, so, gosh. And let me just tell you, there is a lot of kind of different accounts of what happened. I found two that were very similar and one that was kind of off, like a little off. Yeah. So I'm going to just tell them all just to be safe. <laughs> so on October 27th of 1927, Nettie Compass, who was the housekeeper for the family, because even if you had a little bit of money, you could still have a housekeeper. Have a housekeeper Interesting. Because, you know, <laughs> money went a long way back then. Um, and I don't think I'd want to clean up after like seven people living in one tiny space, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> And apparently she was like their neighbor or something like that. Um, also, or also lived in the uh, complex uh, yeah. in this area, whatever. Um, she arrives at the home in the morning to clean up like she normally would. And she finds a bloody scene. Blood everywhere. Ugh. She immediately calls for help. Some say that she called some reporters that were nearby. And some said that she re- she found two men. That, you know, just around the street. But eventually the police are called. <laughs> like I'm saying, there's a lot of kind of, this is old, an older case. So there was a lot of information where I was like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, what they find in this 
apartment is truly horrifying. There are two trunks um, that are covered in blood that have the remains of Teresa and Lonnie inside of them. Jesus. They, uh, Lonnie was in the trunk in, in a room that was in the back side of the house. Uh-huh. And Teresa was found in a trunk that was in the front bedroom. Both um, had their heads, fingers, arms, and legs removed. Oh, so they were just basically completely dissected. They were decapitated. Ah, uh, um, dismembered. And put in these trunks. Oh, my God. There are clumps of hair all over the floor. <coughs> and authorities end up finding a two-foot cane knife. And these, if you don't know anything about a cane knife, it's um, they're usually found at sugar plantations. They're really long. That's what I thought you were going to say. Really okay. sharp. Um, like I said, both women were missing fingers, but Teresa's wedding ring was missing from her hand or her finger. That's not suspicious at um, all. <laughs> and it was actually found in a large wound, like in her back. Ew. Like somebody had put it in there. Oh, oh, gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my back. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> also, I just have to say, when you said trunk murders, I very much thought they were going to be in cars. <laughs> no, trunks, <laughs> like old-fashioned like chests. Chests. Like wooden, yeah. Yes, yeah. trunks. You said they were, like, found in the apartment. I'm like, how did they get into the cars? <laughs> They're not in the cars. They were in trunks. Uh, wooden trunks. Um, so they found her wedding ring in this large wound in her back and their belongings are strewn all over the room. Uh, children's clothes, sewing projects that were unfinished, lace garments, silk stockings, beauty creams, anything you can imagine. And investigators thought that maybe that these items had been in the trunk and that they had been thrown over the room to be able to fit the bodies into the trunks. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, there were mattresses. The two women's mattresses were covered in blood, soaked in it. Oh. And um, there was a manuscript of Lonnie's found on the floor in a pool of, of her own blood, which had a rejection letter from um, – she had attempted to get this uh, story published in a popular magazine for Aww. women at the time. Um, and so her rejection letter is also found in this pool of blood. Um, and I'm going to read a quote. Um, this is a quote from Amid the Roaring Twenties, New Orleans, A Brutal French Quarter Murder Shocks the City. It's by Dylan Jordan. And you can find it on hnoc.org. Um, this is one of the articles that I read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lonnie is believed to have written this story before moving to moving from New Iberia, which is where the, the two couples are from. Okay. I don't know where New Iberia is. If somebody can tell me, let me know. <laughs> I was going to say, is it? I did not do much deep diving into this. <laughs> um, her cautionary tale presented as a personal letter speaks of finding joy again after a failed marriage. Despite their poverty, the author writes of living happily with her husband and their young children in her small hometown. Yet she concludes with an ominous wo- warning. Now to you readers, young girls especially, Please think ahead of please think ahead of you and do not make the mistake I've made because it does not turn out the right way. You can still be you can still be disappointed. Guess it was only my luck to be happy like this. So I warn others not to take the same risk. I don't 
that's really oh one line one line a piece of advice imparted from from her father haunts her story be careful for marriage is a life sentence so basically she is like warning against marriage because she thinks that you won't find happiness like she did and it doesn't really seem like she found happiness. I was going to say, it sounds freaking terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really couldn't figure out a way to explain that better than this person had. So thank you, Dylan Jordan, for your wonderful quote. Again, that is from HNOC.org. That's so Let me just put that out there. <laughs> I am not that. claiming that as my own. He totally wrote that. That's so weird. Um, So one person is is... Well, the first thing, of course, everybody's like the husbands. Of Where course. the fuck are the husbands? Um, where are the kids? Well, the kids were there. They were in the apartment? I think so. There was no, they really didn't talk about where they were. Okay. Um, I looked, but I think maybe they were there. Oh, my God. Um, or not, maybe not there when it happened, but maybe still sleeping. I'm not sure. Oh. But it seemed like maybe they were there. Um, so Lonnie's husband, Joseph immediately turns himself in finds the police and says i did not do this because he doesn't want to be implicated in anything yeah but he says he thinks Teresa's husband henry is the killer my brother and where (laughs) is henry not to be found of course he's missing um so and he the uh, investigators kind of determined that by the way the women were dismembered, whoever had done this had at least a basic in, like knowledge of anatomy. Yeah. Maybe not human anatomy, but knows enough. Enough to, to get by. To go- get by. Yeah. And um, Henry had worked as a butcher before moving oh. to New Orleans. So. No bueno. Yes. And while in during the course of their investigation, um, investiga- investigators also say that neighbors said they often heard fights about money. And I'm like, hmm, do you really throw that through a wall? Maybe a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they said that there were constant accusations of everybody being unfaithful to one another. And um, they, they would go on, like, drinking binges. So well, this is not a great house. Yes, I guess if you're that unhappy and out of money and you exactly. might as well drink your problems away. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, he, OK. So never mind. I said I didn't know when this was. But Joseph, when he's in custody, says mm-hmm. this seems like it's Henry and Henry's missing. And he told the police that a week before the, mor- the murders, he came home and Lonnie was embracing another man. And that's when he left with the kids. So uh, it was a week. Sorry. I OK. Um. He took the kids um, to live with uh, some family member, and that was that. Um, And then New Iberia is where Henry and Joseph had lived and where they met um, Teresa and Lonnie. Okay. Because that keeps coming up. I just want to put that out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So once they kind of figure out this is strange, you know, Henry's not here. And he was a butcher. Yeah. Where is he? They found out that he had headed towards a, boor- a boarding house on Camp Street in the French Quarter um, and was looking at a way to get out of New Orleans. They weren't sure how, but oh. they, they, they thought he was going to start to be on the run. 
So um, there's this is when this massive manhunt begins, and mm-hmm. all of these steamer ships on the coast of New Orleans are warned to look out for a stowaway. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they the description was that he was tattooed, and that there was a na- newspaper that called him singularly hairy. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and He's, does that mean he has one hair? No, that means he's very hairy, I think. Um, at least that's what I got from it. I just hear singularly hairy, and I just Singular hair. see him with, like, this one obscenely long chest hair. Oh, my God, that's so gross. So gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, they also gave a description of the tattoo that he had, which was a naked woman on his arm. So Messy. it was pretty distinctive. Yeah. Um. He was eventually found by the crew of um, a freighter called Jem, and he was given to the, I don't know if I'm going to say this, Lafourche, the Lafourche Parish Sheriff. Okay. Um, at fir- they told him, the crew told investigators that he had begged his way onto the ship with a false name, and that eventually crew members recognized him because of the tattoo description in the newspaper. Yep. Um... When he was picked up by police, he maintained that a red-headed Norwegian seafarer had killed them, the two women, and that at first, he was forced and coerced into helping. That is so oddly specific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but on Tuesday, um, November 1st of um, 1927, Henry confesses to murdering Teresa and Lonnie. Um, he claimed that he committed the crimes because he had this like overcoming jealousy that Teresa was in this relationship with their landlord, Joseph Caruso. And there are accounts that says that they were walking hand in hand on the street. And like, so like, I'm, I'm just wary to say that these women were as full of infidelity as people say. Yeah. I just am wary. I, so I just don't, I don't really know what to think of it. Um, but investigators, like really quickly proved that all of this had been premeditated um <laughs> because at some point he had told Nettie, the housekeeper um that he this is a quote from him should take a pistol and shoot both of those bastards oh that's nice yeah i mean he did not take a pistol but you know. he killed them in other freaking horrible ways and then Nettie saw the family later on I- that evening before they were killed and they she said that they were fine they seemed to be happy um but henry pulled her aside and said that she shouldn't be scared if um she or her family heard the children crying very early in the morning she must have been a neighbor yeah that's terrifying um so i would have been uh, I'm, I'm sorry if that was me i'd have been like what? what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Why, are, why are you expecting your children to be crying tomorrow morning? Yeah, like, I would have been like, excuse me, what are you saying What does that me? mean? I don't know. <laughs> so he revealed that on Wednesday, October 26th, so the night before their bodies were found, Teresa and Lonnie had told Henry that they were moving out, that they, didn't, that they were done with this. Um, and there's a letter, in, um, and it's from 1957, that a prison warden from the Louisiana State Louisiana State Penitentiary um, wrote, or, yeah, wrote, um, and it is alleged, and this is a quote from him, it is alleged to have, meaning Teresa, mm-hmm. 
is alleged to have flaunted a $10 bill in Henry's face and bragged that she could make more in an hour as a prostitute than he could in a week. <laughs> um, I mean, she ain't wrong, but that's rude. <laughs> yeah, there's also account, an account that says that she asked him to, like, watch the kids and he refused. So that's why I'm, like, kind of, like, telling this one because it seemed maybe a little more plausible. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't just get mad if I said, like, I mean, apparently the ladies were going out for the evening together and he didn't like that. So I guess, <sighs> but I think he would have been a little more riled up by the I can. Yeah. So, well, but supposedly. I don't know. Um. So. So Henry kind of left in a huff and then returned that evening and found Teresa and Lonnie packing trunks to leave packing their trunks oh and this is when he began drinking and this is when he purchased the murder weapon um he said that he had contemplated killing himself and then the children but then um he said he flew into a jealous rage when he thought even thought of Teresa being with another man um my god so he murdered both women after they and the children had gone to sleep for the evening. Um, so, he, what they say is that he started with, um, I think he started with Lonnie first. Yeah. And then he moved on to Teresa. He dismembered them, put them in the trunks. But he was, like, stabbing them with a two-foot knife. Yeah. Because, like, because like, if, I mean, when, when you said it's from the sugar plantations, that's, what it's literally one of those giant knives that's used to hack down the sugar canes. <laughs> and yeah. those are thick and those are hard to cut down. I've seen those knives used before. And those things are freaking sharp. Yeah. But here's something interesting that yeah. Henry says, and this is a quote from him. If I ever get my hands on that Joe Caruso, I'll chop him into little pieces. Not big pieces like my wife, but little pieces. I'll make him look like something that's been run through a sausage mill. Joe Caruso took my wife. She was beautiful, and I loved her. And that's why I murdered her. And that's her. why I cut her up with a sugarcane knife. Oh, my. Um, but this comes kind of back to back a little later, so we'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. So Henry is, you know, <laughs> prodded by police. He tells them all of this shit, and they're like, yeah, you're going to court, dude. And <laughs> yep. he, is, he is charged separately for each fa each murder, and he is found guilty by two different juries and two different judges. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. The, his defense, they hired alienists, which is at the time what they called psychologists. Oh, to, that's um, interesting. Yeah. To... Uh, talked to him and the alienists determined that um his crimes were due to the consumption of alcohol that he had he ingested a lot of alcohol yeah and the jealousy so um oh shoot what was i talking about sorry that was the prosecutors sorry um the prosecutors believed that his crimes were due to the alcohol and the jealousy yeah um not insanity oh, okay all. they said he was not insane they wanted him to be hanged like that is what they wanted Wow. But the defense hired alienists, sorry, <laughs> psychologists, You're good. To, to try and prove that Henry was insane, which he yeah. was not. No. He, um, he very much knew what he was doing. <laughs> so in March of 1928, like I said, he is found guilty mm -hmm. by both whatevers, <laughs> by then at least, and he's sentenced to life in prison at Louisiana State Penitentiary. Um, 
the, the judge asked or the jury asked that the judge show, show him mercy so he was not hanged for these crimes. Um, and that Ugh. will come back to bite them in the butt. Oh, no. Um, Henry still claimed to love his, li- li- uh, his wife, <laughs> his wife. <laughs> through the whole trial and even after that. And even um, claimed that he was still married in the 1940 census to Teresa. Are you for but real? She's dead. You literally chopped her up into pieces, man. Um, and this this same year, nineteen forty, he also appeals the tries to appeal the court's decision, um, and it's denied. Good. Um, and he also tries to um apply for parole several times. This doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that he was a model prisoner, and he was given a lot of freedom, and was not heavily guarded, and was often given special assignments so special assignments yeah we're gonna talk about that right now okay um in 1944 henry briefly escapes prison oh good and is on the run for 20 months 20 months yep so briefly mm-hmm. yeah oh my um, god he was on a routine post office run for the uh for the penitentiary and he hailed a taxi and asked that taxi to take him to Hammond, Louisiana. From there, he took the Illinois Central Panama Limited, which is a train, okay, to Chicago. Um, the prison, the prison superintendent, though, didn't seem to be quite concerned with any of this. Um, he just thought he would come back because Henry had a chance to be pardoned by like the government of Louisiana. Um, due to temporary insanity because of the drinking, they were like discussing it. Of course. So he was like, oh, he's just going to come back because they're going to pardon him. And if he doesn't come back, then. But anyway, he is, um, found eventually in 1946 in St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. And, um, he was just picked up because he was doing something suspicious and he told them who he was and he was brought right back to Louisiana. (laughs) But that didn't matter very much. Because on March 26th of 1948, he was pardoned and released. Are you for real? Yeah. They and pardoned this piece of yeah, shit? They par- yeah, they oh pardoned Oh my him. god. And he moves to California. And this is where I said them pardoning him and not watching him bite them in the butt. Oh no. Okay. On January, or on January, <clears throat> in January, I can't talk. This sangria, man. <laughs> um, in January of 1956... A woman named Alberta George was found in a hotel room, and she was shot in the chest. Um, and this is a room that she shared with, you guessed it, Henry Moiti. Of course. <laughs> um, so they claimed to be husband and wife, which was not accurate. Yeah. I don't think they were married. Um, not, I couldn't find that they were actually married, uh-huh. um, so I think um but people God. said that they had been fighting that they could hear fighting in the room and then this is so, so strange i can't believe that this is maybe why <clears> he <throat> shot her in the chest but she claims that she had asked henry for money to buy clothes and that is when he shot her um this guy has a temper issue yeah she managed to get a phone and call the front desk um and she survived this attack <gasps> yeah oh. she survived um, and Henry was charged with attempted murder and sent to Fulton, Fulton, what am I talking about? Folsom, mm-hmm. 
Folsom Prison in California mm-hmm. and died very shortly after on December 31st of 1957 of a stroke. So that's the case, but I'm going to briefly talk about this little ghost story that comes from the Ursuline Street, which is where Teresa and Lonnie lived. Ooh, it's okay. called the Sausage Ghost. That is of the worst Ursuline name. Street. Why? Um <laughs> it's a legend which you can actually find in a uh, book of Louisiana folktales called Gumbo Yaya by Lyle Saxon. Okay. Um, and it tells the story of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hans M- Muller. I think it's supposed to be like Mueller or something. Like yeah. That, but Muller. Um, and they are German immigrants. And this is, I guess, in like the mid-19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, they opened a sausage factory on the ground floor of um, 725 Ursuline Street. Um, and Lonnie and Teresa had a house on 715 Ursuline Street. Okay. So 10 houses away. Um, so it's very close. Um, the story says that Hans Mueller killed his wife and to cover up his crime, um, made sausages out of her remains and was, uh, and served them to his customers at the butcher shop oh. at, the, at the sausage factory for weeks. And um, was only found out after a customer bit into a piece of um, a ring from Mrs. Mueller's hand. Ooh, um, and gross. Then it, and then it is said that her ghost, Mrs. Mueller's ghost, haunted the haunted this butcher shop or sausage factory or whatever until Mueller went insane. And I thought that it was just interesting that Henry had said that quote I said earlier about what's his face, um, the the guy that he was cheating on his wife oh his wife was cheating with caruso caruso um i'll chop him into p- little pieces not big pieces like my wife but little pieces i'll make him look like something that's been run through a sausage mill <gasps> oh so i just thought that was kind of strange but whenever you read about this case like this ghost story pops up that's it's not cool. about them but specifically it, but it's weird that it like happened yeah around like so it's like the same area. The, the link is, it's there. It, the link is there. So That's yeah, cool. That is the case. It's not cool. It's kind of gross, but <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's kind of interesting because they kind of mentioned like Sweeney Todd. If you guys, I mean, I don't know if you don't. It's a musical. Um, who he makes meat pies out of people. Yeah. So they just said it was like New Orleans' own kind of Sweeney Todd story. Yeah. So there you go. That is the horrible. You know, senseless murder of Teresa and Lonnie Moiti. I just have to say there was one thing that did catch my attention when you talked about how the woman who got shot Alberta Orange. Oh, yes. When he shoots her, she says that she had just simply asked him for money for clothes. And yeah. you were talking earlier about the fact that he like um, flew off the handle when Teresa had either supposedly asked him to watch the kids or like said something about making more money than a pros like as a prostitute than he would. Yeah, it's it, to me it actually now sounds plausible that he did just fly off the handle when she said, "Can you please watch the kids?" Yeah, exactly. Like it's if, very strange. If he is willing, if he's gonna shoot somebody in the chest for just simply asking for money for clothing, 
I very yeah. much believe it that he'd get pissy because they wanted to have a uh, have a girls' night out. And yeah, and so like what kind of they, there was like this story where like mm-hmm. he went out. So it was like kind of did she ask him to do this or did she like did she ask him to watch the kids or did she say like I'm moving out and fuck you? Yeah, like whatever, because that kind of changes things. Because he goes away and then then Nettie says later that she saw them come out again. And that they were fine. Yeah. So, like, what happened? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, and, like, I mean, that's why it was premeditated. He, Even though they were having a great time, he plans to come home and come back and kill them. That is so weird. Yeah. That's a weird one. I know. It's so strange. I feel like I don't have any answers. Yeah. And, I, I mean, like I said, I found, like, three articles on this thing. and i tried to look up like videos like you know i'm like a visual kind of a person so i always try to look for videos didn't find anything wow yeah that's crazy like those same articles just kept coming up over and over again so i was like okay well i guess this is most of what they've got yeah so yeah it was an interesting read so that's still a crazy case i know shit anyway oh my god nicole where can they find us Oh, my gosh. Okay. So we are on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. Buzzkillers Pod. We are on YouTube. If you go in your search bar, type Buzzkillers, a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers, a true crime podcast. And from there, you can either hop over to our very own website, BuzzkillersPodcast.com. BuzzkillersPodcast.com. And on there, you can read a little bit about us, maybe listen to some episodes, check out the wines we drink. We have a whole little contact page. If you want to shoot us a message, please shoot us a message. We, we want to hear guys. from you. Everything, anything, send it all. Well, maybe not everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just you asked. too much now. I was going to say, I asked for a little too much there. <laughs> um, but if you don't want to use our contact page, we are just buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. <clears throat> and if you would like to listen. Oh, we wrote it down. We are everywhere. I already said YouTube. Um, but you can also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and iHeartRadio. Woohoo! We are all over the place. So <laughs> check us out. <coughs> This is a mini, so we're not going to stay too much longer. Yeah. But um, if you haven't listened to the last episode and you don't know already because you don't follow our social media, this month's topic is conspiracy theories. Conspiracies. Um, this is Nicole's month where she gets to choose wherever she wants. And she My birthday, boo. Is her, it's Capricorn season. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, we we chose that so that she could choose the, ch- the case of her choice. And so excited. we're pumped about it. We talked about it a little bit in – um, the Marcus West Wesson episode. So if you want to hear more about it, mm-hmm. um, check it out. Head over there. And yeah. That's that. But guys, we love you. Thank okay. you for listening. Thank you for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.